Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Previously on Chief Concerns. But the one good thing that we've done is we brought in a lot of uh, O-line for depth. Um, so if he's not able to, to, to be the starter uh, for camp or for the season, uh, I think we brought enough in to, to give him time to heal and, and to, get, to be prepared. Uh, to dismiss experts coming in is absolutely asinine to me. That's lunacy. That's lunacy to me. To a guy to, to, to even think, well, I don't want to do it. That, that's, you don't want to hear anymore? Just get as, as, as formed as possible. I don't care if I agree with it or not. Get as informed as possible. It's the corner where the treats is is this the the passing of the torch, right? Is this what this signifies? It, it comes down to that that front office and what they feel is most important. The champ is here. We've touched down from a higher plane. Why you made it here? We always look forward to that week because it was always intense. You know that we ain't coming back. We got to. The man, the myth, the legend, Dante Hall. My 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 favorite player growing up was Dante Hall. I love you guys and show, but Dante was my guy. Get to dashing because you're done on the war feet. This episode of Chief Concerns is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action, and BetOnline is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, BetOnline has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to BetOnline and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Chief Concerns. I'm Marcus Dash. I'm here with former tight end Jason Dunn and former cornerback Eric Warfield. How you guys doing today? Man, I've been a long day. I'm pretty sure JD's had one, too. <laughs> long day, brother. Long day. I was just telling Marcus, man, busy. I'm, you know, been busy all day, just running. I, I've been up and down the road. I had. Uh the crazy crazy part when I was getting up here uh for for Joe, I almost ran out of gas. I I had to put in my 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 GPS, you know, the nearest gas station. Oh, shoot. Wow. So I, I was coming from out from the country. And so I was like on like nine miles left. Oh man. That's right. I said, man, if I'm sitting in this in this brand new ride, don't run out of gas, boy, it's gonna look silly. <laughs> this ain't the kind of heat you want to run out of gas in. Huh? This is not no. the kind of heat you want to run out of gas in. Oh, no, no, no. But, you know, it's, it's you know, nighttime, a little cooler. So <laughs> I get to see my big, big, big tail on the side of the road like it thumbing it. I see somebody thumbing the other day. I ain't seen somebody thumbing it alone. <laughs> I was think somebody going to pick me up? <laughs> I was really struggling. Nah, you too about big, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that would be interesting, though. So certain cars you probably can't get into, right, J.D.? Like, like a small little, like, compact, like, sports cars? Is that, like, tough for you to get into? Like a like a, like a little, like, BMW Z4, would that be tough to get into? I, I'll, hey, I, I'll pull right in it. I'll pull <laughs> right in it. Now, I might mess up your upholstery and all that. I'll try and get up out of it, though. But I get in. The hard part is getting out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> hey, so before we go on, I got a question for you, too. Do y'all have a team that, uh, matter of fact, a player 
let's go team or player that you just absolutely love watch growing up as a kid and is there a player that you hate Katie, you go first on that one. I'm curious on yours. Is any sport or just football? Oh, love watching when I any sport. And then that's a long answer. Just somebody that you hate and somebody that you admire. I don't know, man. Hate hate's such a strong word. I don't know. Hate. I don't know. I don't know if I really disliked anybody as far as I'm trying to think anybody. But you're talking about love. Now I, I used to be a, a, a big Dr. J fan. Dr. J. I used to love watching Dr. J. Uh, him and of course, you know, uh, you know, Magic and them guys out there. But yeah, Dr. J was my guy. Okay. But hate, hate, mm. man, I can't, I can't think. Of, nobody comes to my mind right now. You know, I, I was into wrestling. You know, used to, you know, wrestlers used to, you know, certain guys, you, you know, run out. You know, ooh, look at this guy. You know, so yeah, some of those dudes, I, I, I couldn't really stand. Gotcha, know, so. Marcus. Yeah, I'd probably go Allen Iverson as a player I loved uh, growing up. A uh, player I did not like, as I guess as I got older, I, I, I liked him more. Was But when he played, it was Kevin Garnett. I could not stand Kevin Garnett when, when, he, when he played in the Timberwolves. He was just – he was just too, I don't know, he was too out there yelling and yelling all the time people's faces and stuff. But as I got older, as he became like a veteran player with the Celtics, I, 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 did, I didn't mind him. But as a kid, I couldn't stand Kevin Garnett. Okay. You see, I'm the same way. Like, I don't have a player that I hate. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a LeBron fan at all. Um, never really been a CP3 fan, but I don't hate those guys. I enjoy watching them play because of their talents. Right. Yeah. Um, now, I, I mean, I was just saying that in particular just because of all the stuff that's kind of come out with uh, Trey Young. Like, you know, people spitting at him, like people making like some crappy videos about him. Like, I don't know how you find it in your your heart within yourself to just hate somebody like that. Like, what makes you want to spit on somebody it's because they play a sport? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's that's too too much invested. And you're like, like, you know, throwing popcorn on somebody, throwing a water bottle on somebody. Like, what mm-hmm. makes you, what makes you feel that that type of anger to go to that extreme? Like, they're professional athletes. You know, they got to go home to a family just like you do. Mm. Right, right. Look, so look, somebody, look, somebody spin on me and throw popcorn on me. Then you, what you did, just signed up for 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 getting the tail kick. I'm serious. Like, like that, now you open up the door for those I get that point. Yeah, my thing is like I've seen like even with, you know, like with Twitter, you know, social media, people will let other people have it like like they don't even think this this man has a conscience, has a family. Yeah. And they just just go all in on the person. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you get that type of anger if you don't get to compete against that person like you're not. You're not battling against this person one-on-one. He's going against your team right. mm-hmm. and other players. What makes you get that type of ill feelings toward an individual or a team? Like, I understand, like, some people grow up and they if they don't have the talent to play, like, that's their dream is to go out and watch those guys and cheer on those guys because they, they've done it since little kids. Right. And so that's all they know. That's all they cherish. But still, even at that point, like, how do you find it within yourself to go to that extreme. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, and I noticed from the Knicks series, and I think in a little bit of the Sixers series, I'm a, I'm a Sixers fan, and I will say I don't so much hate 
Trey Young, I hate the way the officials officiate when he plays. And I hate, you know, he's taking advantage of the rules, and I can't stand that stuff, you know, like the, the flopping, the coming off the screen and, and shooting shots. I hate that. That's the officiating thing that I hate when it comes to him. But him, but I've seen the whole like uh, Trey Young's balding chant, and I think that's I, I think that's too much. You know, it's too personal of an attack to for a whole crowd to be cheering in, in Madison Square Garden and during the Sixers games. It's just yeah. like I, I don't know if, if you're gonna call him out, like say someone basketball related, but no, Trey Young's balding. I just think it's, it, it gets too personal. It's just like that's that's kind of too much for me. Look, man, look, if you're going to games and and you're doing things like that, man, you, you have bigger issues in, in your life. You know what I mean? I mean, seriously, I, that's the way I look at it. I mean, because like you said, what, what what makes you come out to a game, spit on somebody or talk about it like on Twitter and talk about their family whatnot? To me, it, it just sounds like to me, you're just a miserable person, honestly. Like it tells me a lot about your character, you know, because like, like, you know, I hear people all the time, like, look, nobody comes to your work and complains that you and boo you all day, right? Not saying that, that you don't have customers or, you know, people that may say things to you, but even then, you had to say, like, man, this person must be miserable, you know, thinking about just doing things just out of spite. You know, so I'm like, it's bad. If you're doing things like that, then you need to just really probably need to reflect on your life a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, yeah. at some point, you're going to have a family. Who's right. to say your kid may not be successful at sports and he's in that position one day? Like, how would you feel if that's your kid out there getting yelled at? I mean, he's a professional athlete, but he's 21, 20, 22 years old. That's still a right. kid in a, in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. Like how would you feel if that's your kid out there getting, you know, criticized and yelled at, cussed at, spit at, thrown stuff at? Like, how would you honestly feel as a parent uh, if that's your kid out there being talked down to like that? You know, we, man, to, to be honest with you, you know, what we're seeing, man, is just a lot of bad behavior. I mean, I mean, it really is. Just like in this world, it's just being, I think, uh, you know, exposed maybe a little bit more of just seeing people, and 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 I, I would feel terrible. And, and if you if you can't really empathize with other people, like you know, like you're saying, like, can that be my child? Can that be my kid? How would I treat this person? You know what I'm saying? Even if it was me, like, how could you how could you say this about this man and not you know not walk in his shoes? Well, you know, at least try to you know think about being in his shoes. Yeah. So to me, man, it, it's just it's that bad behavior just being exposed, uh, and, and it's sad. It's really sad to see. You know, so I, I just think, man, if anything, sports should be the one thing that everybody should be able to agree up on, at least. Like, even I'll tell you what, like when we played out in Oakland, right? And you see how much we got booed out in Oakland, right? And how much they hate us and stuff. But what I, what I was seeing was almost like a caricature of them being like uh, Raiders fans, you know, because they would clap it up, you know, if something happened or, you know, they, you know, I've seen a lot of the fans that would dress up and, and say that they hate you, boo, and stuff like that. But it was just them playing that role of like to be like the bad guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, that's what, what I was, was gonna say. So in the Raiders category, I feel that exactly what you're explaining. Like that's that's what they are. They want to sit there yeah. and try to get in your head, but they don't. They don't want. They don't take it too personal. Now right. I've been in Denver, and Denver they got you know fans that will literally take it to a personal standpoint. You know I've been in Philly. And I've heard some Philadelphia fans take it to a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but for the most part, like the Raiders, I used to see all that stuff like, man, I don't want to go down to the end zone to mess with those people. But as soon as you go down there, you get some of the you know, biggest smiles and like, man, we're just in character. That's it. You know, it's out here enjoying the game. Uh, now, yeah, yeah, there's some Raiders right, fans right. within the stands 
that you may not yeah. want to mess with. But for the most part, those people that are in that right. end zone, man, it's just out there for, in, for the enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, and also another player no, was just thinking about question, Rod, Rodney Harrison was another one that I, I, I didn't like growing up. Not not so, not hate this point, but like growing up, that was a guy I I, I didn't like. Um, you know, Chargers then Patriots is the uh, yeah, and he was voted at what, what dirtiest player a few times in, in the league. So Rodney will come up and punish you though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So so this week we got we got a lot going on this week um, with Chiefs. I know if you if you watch ESPN or Fox Sports, we're in the headlines for a lot of different reasons this week. One of the reasons was uh, our first concern tonight is Le'Veon Bell. Um, Le'Veon Bell went on a Twitter uh, rampage last or it was Instagram, and then he went on a Twitter rampage explaining his what he said on Instagram. But essentially, he said that um, you know he'd rather retire before ever playing for Coach Reed uh, again. So I guess. And since then, he's been blasted by current and former Chiefs players and just players in general in the league because, um, you know, Andy Reid's one of the most beloved guys in the NFL. And when you're coming at a guy like that, you know, that you're, you're going to bring a lot of, um, I guess, negative negative feedback. Um, and just curious, you know, what did you guys make of uh, Le'Veon's uh, statement? You know, I don't know what was said between him and uh, Andy Reid to, to make him, you know, voice his opinion like that. Uh, but I know they finally got uh, – comment from Andy Reid today and Andy was like you know what I'm still a fan you know we've had a good time when he was here had some great conversations so he doesn't really understand why he would go out and say the things he said um you know he said at the end you know he wishing the best you know the thing with Le'Veon is doing is like he's creating um he's kind of blackballing himself because like no no team really wants to bring in a player like that you're gonna go out and dog a coach you know a head coach that's been praised since he been, he's been in the league, you know, for at least with the players and for what he's done with coaches and, uh, for their careers. Uh, I've heard nothing but good stuff about Andy Reid, you know, and, and my perception on what he brought to the team wasn't what I, I'm pretty sure that what we thought Le'Veon Bell was supposed to be. You know, he wasn't the Le'Veon of old, Le'Veon of, of Pittsburgh. And I think that we as fans – uh, kind of expected that, you know, him to be like a game changer uh, to take a lot of pressure off of um, our, our passing game and Patrick Mahomes. And he didn't really bring that to the table. And I think his his argument was that, you know, he didn't get the ball enough. I didn't see him do a whole lot of creating when he really had, when he had the chance. So um, you can't knock a coach or be pissed, I don't say pissed, but be upset at a coach because, you know, it might be that you're getting close to being over the hill. Like, you know, you, old age kicks in and you're not the same players you used to be, you know, and we hate to see that, you know, we hate to, to know that we can't run as fast, jump as high or, or do the things we used to do. Uh, Cause that means we're getting old. Uh, we don't want, we, and like I said, I know we said uh, some episodes ago that, uh, you know, players like to go out on their own. It's very rare. You see guys in, in a Tom Brady position, that gets to play throughout, you know, 20 plus years. That, that that rarely happens. And if it does, it's at a quarterback position. And so, you know, we, we don't like to be seen at that point of, uh, of of falling off or not having it anymore. So that's that's just my take on it. that. That could be what it is. I don't know. But, um, you know, he's creating this whole dirt hole for himself. Indeed. 
so you know, I've kind of, I've kind of went over this in my head a little bit because uh, I, you know, I heard a lot of you know just the talking heads and people's opinions about it. Uh, and and to be honest, I, I think the way that he did it was the issue in itself, right? Look, everybody has an opinion and everybody may not be treated the same like, like everybody else. So we don't know what the promises were again for Le'Veon when he came in. And I think it's, that's what it, it boils down to. I think it was something that maybe their, their expectations, maybe Andy said something to him, his expectation and Le'Veon's expectations of getting there was the issue. Now, we always want to say this. You, you want to see having the professionalism with, you know, what you're doing, right? So that's part of the problem. You don't want to come out. If you're trying to get another job, you want to, hey, look, you know what? I appreciate the Chiefs with everything they did and Andy and such and such. Fine. Do it that way. You know, keep it, keep it regarding and just being professional in, in your yeah. opinion. And I just think it's part of the problem. You didn't you did fit their scheme. Yeah, right. Look, that's it. And, and, and to be honest, I'm like this. Look, if the man felt that way, fine. He felt that way, right? And and I get it. Like, everybody's not everybody's cup of tea. I'm just going to be honest with you. So regardless of everybody might praise Andy, he might have a problem with him. So I don't, like I said, we don't know what happened in that issue, right? But Andy, he, Andy handled it graciously, right? Like he should have. Andy said, hey, look, I'm still pulling for Le'Veon. And here's, and here, look, it goes to the heart of the problem of, Everybody gets into their feelings, and the first thing they do is go put it on social media. That that's the issue. When anytime somebody's in their feelings, let me go to the world and tell the world how I feel about it and voice it. Well, guess what? There's going to be consequences to what you what you say. It, it yeah. is. It's going to be backlash. Somebody's not going to like what you say. I don't care who it is. And so that's the thing about it. He's voicing his opinions based off his his emotions and his feelings, right? And he goes out here thinking that Twitter or whatever is going to hug him back, Instagram, wherever he put it at. And they didn't. So he said what he had to say. Fine. But you know what, man, just, you, you know, have a little bit of gratitude when you do it and then be professional. Hey, if you want to get out of the league and then talk about it, fine. Do those things after that. Right. And then you can let these things be known. But before then, just be a professional. Hey, appreciate the opportunity. Didn't work out like the way that, you know, I wanted to and just kind of kind of move on. So I, I don't I don't have an issue with I have an issue with how he how he's, he laid it out. We put it that way. You know, I just think everybody, you know, everybody does that, man. Everybody just kind of puts everything out on, on Twitter and social media uh, and then think that maybe you won't be able to get no backlash from it. So, hey, man, he should have known that. He should have known Twitter's going to come for it. Yeah. So, but that, that's my opinion. I think a good example of what you're saying, J.D., is uh, Bashad Breland, you know, over the last, like, month or so, you know, he was talking about how he was, you know, he wasn't appreciated. And then as soon as he gets signed by the Minnesota Vikings, he has three, four tweets thanking the Chiefs uh, and everything they did for him um, and what the, what the you know, community and the Chiefs fans, the organization meant to him. And, and then he said, but, you know, I wish you all well, and now I'm on to my next chapter now. And I think, you know, that, that, was, that was a good example of, you know, like walking the line there, you, you might be pissed off by the situation, but still, you don't let that affect you know your overall what, it, what people think about you and the way you kind of handle yourself on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, and, and, and the reality is, you know, because if he does get signed to another team, like like he said, it's going to be hard for him to get signed to another team. Somebody might say something to him, but then other teams might say, "Well, what happened?" Right? We want to know what what went on. You know, so we don't know who who it, we just know that everybody get gives high praise to Andy, which he deserves, right? But, you know, somebody might have had, you know, Lavery might have had a problem with it. You just don't know. So, I mean, that's a man's opinion, you know. So, 
That's how, that's how you had to deal with it. But don't think you won't get backlash and the consequences of what you say, you know, when you say it. Yeah. All right. All right, so for our next concern, uh, so this week was uh, you had the mandatory uh, uh, minicamp uh, pressers, um, and Tyreek Hill came on and uh, during his press conference, and he said that he doubled down on what Patrick Mahomes said a couple weeks ago, which everyone was kind of talking about him saying that we're going to go 20-0 this year. That's what, that's what he hopes for. And Tyreek Hill doubled down on that this week. Uh, I think it was yesterday. He doubled down on that saying he wants to go 20-0. He agreed, he's right lock and step with Patrick on going 20-0. What do you – Okay, there's a lot of like mixed things on this I've seen on social media and ESPN. But what is okay? So what are the pros and cons of setting the bar like you know I want to go 20? You know what? What are the pros and cons of setting the bar like that so high? I don't have an issue with like I don't have one issue at all because like I know before every season, your goal is to be in the Super Bowl. So even in the off season, you're going to tell people, yeah, we're going to be there next year. We just left there last year, the year before. So yeah, that's our goal is get the Super Bowl. You know. Now, if we want to set the, the bar higher and say, yeah, we want to go 20 and 0, I see nothing wrong with it. That's 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 giving you a, a goal to, to something to achieve. It hasn't been done. It doesn't, it doesn't ruin the chemistry of the team because you're setting it that high. It just gives those other, you know, other players that much more motivation to say, hey, I think it's accomplishable. Yeah. Uh, look, look, <laughs> they got their target on the back anyway. So way. yeah, so it's not going to matter, like you said. I mean, shoot, look, you you've been top notch in the NFL for the past few years, and so what's going to? How would it sound if he said, "Well, we're going to go fourteen to three, right?" <laughs> like, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, what what? Yeah, look, y'all, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of the NFL. So him saying twenty and zero, he's supposed to say that. That's the confidence. That's the ability, and they 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 absolutely can't obtain that, but without a doubt. So that is something that is attainable to, for them. So I don't have no issue with it. So regardless of it, the, the, the con of it is, man, look, ain't no really no con. Everybody's coming after you anyway, right? So it don't even matter. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Good for him. Shoot, 20 and 0, double down, triple, whatever you had to do. Yeah, and also with that, uh, Travis Kelsey also said that because I, I guess reporters, you know, they're trying to trip, trip these guys up, you know, not purposely, but they're asking him if there is anybody on the schedule who kind of scares him. And he kind of he made he made a case for uh, all the teams on the schedule about how good they are this year. So I mean, that's is that something that's learned as a veteran, like being a constant professional, just to to talk about all all the good the teams have to offer. I mean, is that is that what yeah. you guys are? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, I, 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 e, e, let me ask you this: Was there any game that we went into that you thought we was just going to lose, just straight up? Nope. There it is. So every team, look, if you ain't talking about going undefeated, <laughs> well, shoot, then. You know, that's the issue. You, you might not yeah. even put those pads on, for real. That's the way I look at it. Sure, if you ain't trying to go out there and be undefeated. Uh, I, guess, I guess you're supposed to look at the schedule and say, okay, we're going to end the season with like 12, 12 and 5, yeah. <laughs> right. I see five right. losses on there. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get drugged this game. Yeah, this yeah. Right. Gonna be a little tight for us. Oh, yeah, we ain't, we ain't got no chance against this one. We're just going out there. I'm going to hang out this one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, man. No. Nah. Hey, look, look, he's a professional, man. And they play it at a high level. So, hey, man, I'm glad they got confidence like that. Shoot. And, and, and like I said before, with their ability, uh, they definitely have a chance to do it. All right. Yep. 
All right, so last question before we get our guest on here. Um, so during the mandatory minicamp uh, press conferences, Travis Kelsey kind of revealed a little bit about our offense, a little new nugget about our offense that this year they're going to be adding more multiple tight end sets into the offense. I know, J.D., you're, you're, I know you like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, what does is, what is this say to you about the offense and the pieces that we brought in um, this summer? That is telling me that they got weapons, right? They know what they got in that room. And so they know what they got in Noah when he came in, man, from Duke. And so when they see these things, they sit there like, look, there's no way this guy right here with his ability can't get out there on the field, right? So if there's been any question or issue with the guys on the outside, which I, I don't think it is, but if you see somebody else in another room, you're sitting there saying, well, these guys right here are solid. We ain't got no chance. You know, we, we need to play this guy. You know, we need to find something to do to get a package in to get this guy out there on the field. You want to get your best guy's ability to be out there on the field. And the same thing is created on defense too, man. If you got some, some great defenders, man, you got to be able to create things for them to make plays out there on the field. So hats off to them. I, I think they should do that because guess what? It's, it's, it's a matchup nightmare. When you have two guys like that, Kelsey and Noah, who, who can get out there and beat linebackers, could match up well against safeties, and then you can put him out on the outside and do whatever. And so, like I said, when you do multiple tight insets, then all of a sudden you can run, you can pass out of it, and so you don't become as predictable in those sets like that. So hats off to the enemy and them and guys getting that thing done. <laughs> yeah, let's go tight. Yeah, he knows more about let's that than what I can speak on. So yeah, he, he he can talk more about that that setup. That was an ace package. That, uh, yeah, ace ace. What, what they're bringing yeah. so. But, but as I've always said to me, I mean, he's big, but Kelsey is a, is a receiver. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's putting up receiver numbers, whether it's catches or yardage. So uh, throwing an extra tight end out there, it, it, it creates more havoc because it, it gives us more options of, uh, of, of interacting that run game. And especially what uh, a lot of the stuff that we heard on was uh, short yardage and goal line. So uh, I think it helps a lot with that, too. So. And that's one thing I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that they need to, that they saw over the last season that we needed to work on was, because we we sucked last year in the red zone, and then to see that all the opportunities that we missed out on of uh, not being able to punch it in and have to take you know field goals down there. So yeah, if you can capitalize on that short yardage, add another tight end, and especially another playmaking tight end. Um, you know that that's a that that creates a lot of havoc. Yeah, see, and that's why I, I hated everybody used to always talk about bringing in that extra tackle. It's, uh-uh, no, absolutely not. Leave that guy off the field when you can. Like he said, man, when you, when you can take advantage of it down in the red zone, man, that, that's what you want to be able to do. Uh, so just kind of a little football knowledge. So when you get that tight end, you just move him out a little bit, right? So what are you going to do with it? You're going to bring the linebacker, you're going to you know, pull him out the box, which you hope he does, right? So what that does is it takes everything out of the run game as you know what he right because now the guy's caught in between, and so you got a bigger guy who could who could block down, you know, uh, carry down on, on on the edge. I mean, it just it just you know it's advantageous to have another guy like that that could do those things. Uh, and Noah's a good he he, he blocks too. He, he's a guy that's going to block, so that's a good thing too. They know what they're getting with him uh, and, and the other guy that's there too. Uh, Lake Bell, Lake Bell. So I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Good to hear. Good to hear that. 
Yeah, and uh, Lewis Riddick today actually tweeted about uh, it wasn't about this um, this quote about the multiple tight end sets, uh, but he just said that the Chiefs ha- think they have someone special in Noah Gray. So if Lewis Riddick's tw- tweeting that out, then I that's that's how you know you know that there's uh they're, they're, they they feel like they got the, a good backup guy for a Kelsey and another guy to put out there on the field. So yeah, yeah. good pick, man. It was a good pick. Really fun to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. Uh, so, okay. So now we're going to our Chiefs Kingdom Concern segment. Now, this is an interesting one. So, it's, this is one of our a day one follows. Um, this guy, he lives in Indonesia, which is which is crazy. You know, you got a Chiefs Kingdom fan in Indonesia. Uh, but for the time being, he's staying in the state the states this summer. Uh, but he's been dying to come on. Uh, and he said a couple of months ago, he's like, hey, wait till I get in the states. I'd love to come on the show. And now he's in the United States. And now he's uh, coming on. His name's Noah John. He goes on. He's on Twitter at at Ghost of Harar. That's his Twitter handle. So I'm gonna get him on here. Thanks. Hey, What's no, up, John? John? Yeah. Hey, gentlemen. Am I coming in clear? Mr. Yes, Marshall. Sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's up, man? What's going on? Hey, brother. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Marshall. That's my. This is my like my job account. So I'm Mr. Oh, okay. Marshall. Okay. Right. <laughs> man, I love, hey, I, I had to tell you, man. I, I love your stuff on Twitter. You know what I mean? You put some stuff out there, man. I, I love, you know, following you. you. You got some some really good stuff out there, man. So I think I like a lot of your stuff anyway. So oh, I I appreciate that. Just make sure yeah, I don't, yeah. I just make sure yeah. I don't get fired for most of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate it though. But yeah. man, I mean, uh, Marcus too. Marcus too. Marcus, I'm glad you're still here. You didn't jump off a bridge after Oof. last night. I was I was really I was really upset last night, man. I, I, I was still man. recovering this morning. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> um, Noah, man, it, it's awesome to finally uh, meet you. Um, and I was telling the guys here, you know, that you are you live in Indonesia, and I remember when we first started the show. I remember looking at our demographics of where everyone's liking our stuff, where it's viewing our stuff, and I saw some stuff from Indonesia. I'm like Indonesia. Then I see that I saw you commenting on our stuff, and I saw you that you you live in Bali, um, and you know, just kind of uh, so kind of talk to us about how you are a chief in it and how you you know ended up in Indonesia. So let's kind of talk about that. Sure. So I'm back in the states now. Uh, in upstate New York, like Saratoga, connected to the Albany area, visiting my family and friends who haven't been here in, in two years, you know. But um, Chiefs fan from my father, uh, and he grew up all around the world, but was in like Kansas City in his formative years. So you know how it is, just like indoctrination. Oh yeah, you know Royals, Royals too. And then uh, yeah, Indonesia. I just I work overseas. There's um, schools for like expats who are from all over the world. Uh, that go to these countries for either banking or business or entrepreneurship in Bali is tourism. And, and also for, for Indonesian um, families that want kind of a better education than the national public schools. And so uh, I'm a, I'm a librarian at that, at that uh, school. I'm a certified got my master's degree in it and stuff. And actually from, from U Albany where uh, Rashad Barksdale uh, former Kansas City Chief cornerback, undrafted, first U Albany player in the NFL, played for the Chiefs, and he had a nice little uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So, so librarian, that's man, that's that's interesting. All of that you just said, man, is really interesting. You know, to yeah. find yourself there for something like that. That's, that's cool, though. Yeah, cool. and and I watched the two. I uh, watched Super Bowl at about seven thirty in the morning at oh, a wow. bar in Sonora outside as part of Bali with this parent at the time, a parent of a student who was Chiefs fan. And he, none of his kids went to school. We all had Chiefs stuff on. We were at the bar like seven <laughs> o'clock in the morning, the personal day. And you know, that fourth quarter, it was not look, it was 20 to 10 or whatever. And then Damian Williams and, Ty, and 
Ty Hill and everybody. Um, and, and we just ran on the rest of the day and it was <laughs> fantastic. So wow. uh, Bali and the Chiefs will always be connected for me. But yeah, I've been there. Hey, so as far as like the Super Bowl, do you all have like a Super Bowl party? So it was the game kicked off at 730, right, for you? Yeah. Or yeah. were you up at like three o'clock to get everything going or what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this American sports aren't big over there, but the Super Bowl, everybody shows it. And this was before the pandemic. So we just said like, hey, where's a cool, close place close to our house? And we went there and they just had it set up. And then this year I watched it at home because the pandemic and whatever. I was just trying to, you know, and my friend came over. He was an English guy, English guy. And he's been so he, he watched. We watched the Chiefs. Pat, Pat's 2018 AFC championship game in the library during school. I had class and I was like, this is American <laughs> education. And then when, when D Ford lined up offsides and then when, um, oh, yeah. when, uh, when, when Dieter recovered what I thought was a fumble, uh, you know, and then, yeah, they yeah. Saw, and, and then they saw like the ups and the downs, like that was something. So that guy came over and watched it and, you know, we won't right. talk about that, but but yeah, <laughs> uh, Bali has been very connected to the chief success in my life, at least. All right, all right. That's what's up. That's awesome. I, I got I got a, one of my partners, man. He goes over every year to Bali, and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. You know, uh, he's pitching, yeah. JD, so he's he's man, trying to get me to come, dude. Let me tell you, you got to do it. It's it's not even a question, man. Like you guys get here. Uh, you won't, I mean, not that money matters, but it, you, it's so cheap. You won't even yeah. spend a thousand dollars for like two weeks and you'll see, <laughs> you'll see yeah, some man. unbelievable stuff and, uh, I'll show you where to go and I'll leave you alone. You should definitely take your friend up on it, man. Oh, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Man. Well, look, so I'm, so single now. Guys. I'm, I'm the single guy. Yeah. Well, what, is, what do the ladies look like out there? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I think I think TripAdvisor said Bali. It was the 2017 number one destination in the world for vacation, and it's the number one place that some some poll that people want to go after the pandemic's over. So um, in, in in America, it's a lot better there. Bali's looking good, but the rest of the country, eh. but yeah, uh, yeah, every girl, every type of woman in the whole world, but Indonesian, you know, the most beautiful. But every every. Except, oh, yeah. except no, no American girls, not, not really any Americans. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, okay. for sure. Come through, come through. <laughs> now, now, Noah, man, I, I know uh, you, you said you had some questions for the guys, so I'm going to let you have the floor. I'm going to let you ask away, my man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. So, first of all, I just really love this show. I found this one night just working, searching the word Chiefs in Apple Podcasts. And then the CC arrow came up. I'm like, that's cool. And I listened to it. I'm like, I'm like Eric Warfield and Jason Dunn. And, and because, you know, up until this Super Bowl team, like I think anyone over 35 or 30, the 2003 Kansas City Chiefs are like, for me, they're up, they're up there with the Super Bowl team because it was so iconic. It was such, you know, I mean, yeah. a, ca a cast off. Um, Vermeil coming out of retirement. Green a cast off. Morton a cast off. Kennison a cast off. And then this offense just blew up. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, it was just an amazing team, uh, everything about it, you know, coach Vermeil and everything. So nine and oh, and then whatever. So, um, so, 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 so yeah, so I'm really interested to talk to you guys. So, and then Marcus is talking about the 2003 team. Like he's my age, I'm 38. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at this guy, like, 
this guy is, looks very young. And you he said, and then he said he was what eight or nine years old. He knew everything, Dante Hall, the whole deal. And then it was so funny when uh, when Eric said, he's like, I don't know any centers. I just know Casey Wegman. Like that's all. <laughs> so uh, I love the I love the I love that aspect that you guys are here. And, and Marcus just does a great job, like filling in the details and stuff. So um, like we had I had a Eric Warfield jersey, forty four custom made NFL. Oh. I just awesome. grew out of it. So I, not just, but you know, I grew out of it. So we donated to like a church in Clifton park, New York. So some kids running around at Warfield Jersey and um, <laughs> yeah, man, sorry. Like, so just that 2003, that 2003 team, like I was, I was just looking up the stats, like JD had three touchdowns that year. He played in mm-hmm. 16 games. Yeah. Eric, Eric had played in 15 games, four interceptions. And you had one sack. Eric, do you remember what team, what game you got that sack? Was it Buffalo? Yeah, it was Buffalo. 38 yeah. to 5, you guys won. That was like a yeah. – and that was when, like – because that, that defense, like, I think seven games, you guys uh, allowed 17 points or less. And then there was, like, this one game, I think it was week six in Green Bay overtime. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I remember uh, that. Jerome Woods like, had a pick. J.D. – yeah. J.D., you remember uh, coming in out in overtime and the Chiefs ran the ball nine straight times. Nine straight times, yeah. You were pushing people all over the place. And then (laughs) – it's on YouTube. And then Morton Anderson missed the kick. But then the defense got the ball back on a fumble. And, and you know, that's when people are like, we have both – you know, we have both this year. So, you know, know, people talk about the defense. But, like, there was a lot of time, a lot more good than bad. um, Yes. That people – like, like, this – Everyone, everyone can do it. So, so anyways, um, yeah, I just, I just, I just really love that, that 2003 team and, and really uh, happy to be able to hear with you guys. So JD, my first question is for you, 2007 okay. hard knocks. I just want to hear anything about that. I mean, it looked like Tony G and you were in a bunch of scenes together. You're picking him up. It also seemed like he was kind of, kind of over it. Like he just like, I didn't like these quarterbacks and he just seemed like, I don't know. Um, but like, what do you think about hard knocks in general? Like, do you think it has a negative positive effect on a team? No effect. Would you recommend it or not recommend it? Cause the chiefs are one of the first ones to do it. Just how was that whole experience? Have them having them around and what can you give them and the editing? I don't know anything about how that works. So just anything about hard. Okay. knocks. All right. So my first take on it, man, was I think it was a distraction and, you know, when, when you first think about it, it's like, oh, you know, it's going to be pretty cool, right? Cameras around, they're going to have it on TV, you know, just kind of see how everything operates. But, I, and I said this before, you know, what ends up happening is players all, all of a sudden become Hollywood, right? They want to be in front of the camera. Now, all of a sudden, they, you know, they're not being genuine. You're not being organic with themselves. And so they start playing to the camera a little bit more. Guys are just, it, it, to me, it just caused a lot of rift because there's guys that love it. There's some guys who absolutely hated it. And so some guys, what you end up doing is you just fall into that whole line of like this whole reality TV type of deal. And, it, and it's crazy uh, for the simple fact. The things that was happening and how they would display certain guys lives, whether it was good or bad, was was what I had an issue with as well. Right. And so I know you remember that, that the thing with me and Herm kind of going at it. And so part of the problem is like the editing of it. You know, we get into the editing and you don't really have you know any part of the. Uh, 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 creative process, right? You, you ain't really, you know, into it. So when they air something, well, shoot, hopefully they'll come and get your, you know, your uh, stamp of approval first. And they ain't really do that, man. So uh, to me, I just didn't like hard knocks. Uh, maybe it's different now. I kind of see teams. And I think if you just had, if you go into it as a head coach saying like, listen, this is what you'll be able to do. This is what you won't be able to do. And I think 
having Herm, Herm coming from New York at the time with the Jets, he was more so used to like the entertainment. He's, you know, colorful. And so to him, he didn't really find any issue with it. Uh, I just thought, you know, just kind of uh, bothered the chemistry of the team. I really did. You know, I, I just totally disliked it because guys got out of football yeah. and weren't really focused on it and was more so, man, you want to be Hollywood. And it was just crazy to me, man. It just And, and guys' heads are just turned around. It, it's, it just didn't make any sense to me. And so we, we, we paid for it. I said that was the worst year chemistry-wise, and we paid for it. And you've seen the results of it. And all of that stemmed from that whole hard knocks deal. Seriously. And so it got tiring. Like you said, Tony was over it. A lot of guys was over it. It was fun when it first started. After a while, man, they just like, man, y'all guys are still here. And so, yeah. No, do not do hard knocks or any type. Man, leave it. Leave it to Hollywood for that whole reality TV show. Leave it over there. You know, so, yeah. Jenny, did, didn't you tell me that, like, the film crew tried to get into one of your tight end meetings and you guys, like, closed the door? You guys locked it so that the film crew couldn't come in? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, they, they were just everywhere. They, I mean, they sit down, like, right in front of you and just have cameras. And they, they would try to sneak in in the meetings and whatnot. There's some things you don't want, you know, you don't want to put on camera. You know, you haven't, you know, really, you know, conversations intimate about things that's going on. And these guys are just intrusive on every single thing. It, it never it never failed. It never failed. <laughs> so, it, you know, your, your family's watching at home. You know, you might say something, you might do something. And, and then all of a sudden when you're, when you're trying to be in this mode of being a whole character, that's what you are. You're a character of like who you are as a football player. And it's crazy to me. I just, I just, I, I just, I, I hate, I, I disliked it so much. I, I really did. I just didn't like it. That's my opinion, man. I just, to me, you, you can leave it. You can leave it. No, that's a, that's a very honest, I mean, interesting answer. I mean, it's the, it's the only season of Hard Knocks you can't find on YouTube. Um, yeah, true. You know, but uh, I really appreciate it because the fans want to see that, of course, but like not at the at the peril of like the chemistry of the team. So I'm glad that you, you know, I'm, I'm gonna ask you this question, and I don't know if you know this or not. Can you tell? Can you name me one team that's been successful off of hard knocks? Definitely not the Raiders. I, Definitely not the Raiders. I know that that was right. Right. I mean, you know, this this one it all maybe the playoffs. I mean, I can't think of one right now. Right, that was out of my head. The Jets, I think, in 2010 made the playoffs, and I think the well, the one year Cincinnati was coming off. Cincinnati, the second time they were on it, I think they were good. Um, but some of them yeah. were quite bad. Like, like, yes, yeah, right, right, and that, that's kind of my point of it. But if the, if the Beagles was on it twice, they probably knew what to you know to make up. And then you got Marvin Lewis too. So Marvin, you know, second time, like, look, man, <laughs> we ain't gonna do this, you know. We will orchestrate what we want to orchestrate here. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Raiders one was so great. Like it was just just they were just an, an absolute mess. Antonio <laughs> Brown with his foot like oh, I was mess. I was yeah, mess, man, mess. And I, and, I, and I think a lot of like Antonio, all of that was the camera. That I'm telling you, you know, you give a bad behavior, a spotlight. Come on. <laughs> Nothing good could turn out from that. And, and it didn't. I mean, you seen how it was, man. So. Chargers too with the rookie quarterback. Chargers too, like oh, whatever. Um, all right, my second question um, is for Eric. Uh, so um, I'm curious, like, because again, going back to the 2003 team, I think I think a lot of the fans, like, they didn't they didn't really think that it was a players thing. I think a lot of it was coaching, like, 
Greg Robinson, for example. Like, I'm just curious, like, what do you think of a guy who, like, was at the top of his profession, profession? Like, he had two Super Bowl rings, as good as it gets, can't take that away from him, comes to Kansas City, has whatever, goes to Syracuse, my favorite team, goes 5-27 and 27 over four years, goes to Michigan. He gets – I mean, you should see what they say about him on, on, on their blogs and stuff. And then he gets hired at UNC, and he gets fired before the season even starts because the alumni just lost their minds. So – I mean, what's an, what an interesting career. Like, just anything about, like, kind of – because, I mean, if I saw uh, Vonnie Holiday drop back in coverage one more time as a defensive end, <laughs> like, after he had three sacks in the first game of the season, it's like, what are you doing? So, I think a yeah. lot of fans just – because I remember the next – it was like the next day Coach Vermeil got rid of him. And it was just one of those things where it was like it – was, it, was like, it was like Bob Sutton a couple years ago. And it was just like, oh, so I mean, I don't know anything about that kind of defense that either, either, either just the uh, scheme or anything about it, the feeling, anything about that, man. So the, the thing going into that, like we knew of Greg because uh, Ray Crockett came into the Chiefs and Ray played with Greg Robinson's uh, when they won the Super Bowl. And Ray had already told us, like, you know, Greg is good at certain things when it comes to a defense. Now, the thing is, he's going to give up chunks of yardages in other aspects. And that's basically what our defense was. I think in, in a couple of years, we led the entire NFL in turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were giving up a crap ton of yards. Greg we, Wesley we had, with those turnovers. Greg Wesley, always in the spot, always grabbing that Yes, ball. and so we, were, we created so many big gaps to where we were giving up chunks and chunks and chunks. But we were, you know, we were thinking we got these great players and we had this good team that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl and win it all. And yet we're creating all these turnovers. But as an overall defense, we're not all that good because of, you know, we got all these gaps in our defense. Um, even with my play, there was a lot of times with the defense where, like, I'd have to go man to man while the rest of the defense was zoned. And that was mainly because, uh, uh, the other corners that we had weren't the man-to-man jam type. Uh, they, they weren't all that good at that technique. Um, but they are really good at, 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 at zone coverage. And I, and I take nothing away from Dexter. Dexter was a really good corner, had a lot of turnovers for us. Um, you know, we ended up bringing in Patrick Sertan, who was, you know, a great corner. Uh, you know, I, I started out with uh, <laughs> Hey Steve, went to Chris Dishman, and uh, who else? Barty, Barty, Carlton Gray. Yeah, I'll mention Barty. Barty had a hard time, man. And got the guy played safety. I think he played safety in college, and his transition wasn't as easy as mine was. And I think they kind of saw the same thing, trying to you know move a guy from safety to corner, and he just didn't have the the transition that I did. But you know he he did have a time struggling, and when it got to Barty after first, Barty's first year, mentally. Barty was out of it, Ugh. and there was nothing anybody could do to get him back in the in, in, in the realm of things because he had taken so much heat and had heard so much criticism to where there was nothing he could do that was right. I, I remember a game, Tennessee, and I think the, uh, the receiver is Bennett, uh, the tall white guy. No, Drew I want to say he had uh, close to <laughs> 200 yards receiving that game. Heck, me and Barty both didn't play well that game, but Barty came to me in the middle of that game and told me to uh, – to have Peter take him out of the game because he couldn't do it. And they Dang. just went at him every single play, every single play, every single play, and every play, every play that came his way was a completion. Hmm. And I, I've never in all my life of sports had, you know, a, a fellow 
teammate come to me and say, hey, you know, could you have the coach pull me out? You know, I had to talk to him and keep him in the game. But, yeah, he just – it was – it is hard when you have the, the fans and everybody is just riding your ass. But, you know, he was one of those that just couldn't take it to, to continue playing through it. And it, 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 it struck him his first year. But the thing on Greg, yeah, I can't – just I forgot your first name, Noah, right? Yeah. No, I'm not I'm not the one to, to, to sit and bash on a person. Uh, you know, Greg you had what a he was, now. he had uh uh-uh. you, you had a league now. You ain't you ain't got a contract coming in. Go on, be real. <laughs> Shit, be but real. either way, I, that's not what I do though, JD. Uh, I, I, you I know, Greg Greg created a career for himself and had a, had quite a tenure in the NFL and throughout sports uh for a reason. Uh, yeah, he wasn't the, he wasn't the guy for us. Uh, and it kind of showed in the way we played. Uh, but, yeah, at some things we were good at and a lot we were bad at. So I just know that the defense that we had, it wasn't up to par to, to, to complement the offense that J.D. was a part of. And that, that's the thing that hurt us for the, that 2003 year. Dude, so like, so like, that's an amazing answer too. I mean, like, so, so the, I mean, your transition was really good. You had a very successful career, but like, what, what are the Chiefs doing? Just going from safeties to corners? Because RT was a second round pick. He started, I think, every single game in Kansas City, and then he like uh, started every game, and then he never played for another team again. Never, didn't even get a signing in a training camp. I mean, that, well, even the guys that they put in, they, they brought in, like drafted, they, they they didn't beat him out unless they, you know, you're just saying that they they drafted some bad guys. Man, Barty was fast, man. Barty was fast. And so, and look, uh, no, what ends up happening is this. Look, all that information gets passed on. And so, like he was talking about, like him saying something like that, man, when you, once your confidence to shot and coaches know it, you know, if you're trying to get a job somewhere else, coaches is like, look, you know what? this guy right here, if he, if he's not all the way there, right. And he lost confidence. It's going to be hard for us and tough to sign a guy like this. If he's not, he's not confident in his abilities. And so Barty was fast, but I, I would say it's E your transition because you're just an athlete. You know what I'm saying? You're one of the best athletes I've seen, you know, play ball. So I, I'm, I'm just saying that. And so I, that transition from a safety to, to corner, that ain't easy. It's usually the other way around. That's why I say it's usually corner to maybe safety. But, you know, from a safety to a corner, man, that's tough. That is. That's yeah. tough. Confident. Yeah, he had no confidence. And, man, that's it's sad because even to this day, like, of all the players that I've ever played with, like, he's the only guy that we can't find. Like, nobody really? knows how to – yeah, nobody knows how to get in touch with, with RT. Wow. I didn't know wow. that. Wow. I mean – you, you know, Shenard Hart was his road dog. Shenard right. can't find him. Yeah. 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 I mean, Man. what you're saying is amazing that he continued to start after that rookie year for like I don't know three or four more seasons every single game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and I, this this kind of goes into we were talking about earlier uh, about guys having personal lives and stuff like, like that. You know, Bartley was such a good guy. You know, he's quiet, but 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 a great guy. He was just a great guy. So I'm I'm sorry to hear that, but it, you know, can't get in contact with him. You know, I hope he's doing well. You know, because look. Football is just one thing, right? We, we we all have our lives. You know, our job is one one aspect of who we are. It ain't everything that we are. It's just one aspect of who we are. And so, you know, if if he just know, man, that look, people, you know, love him, and you know, people being tough on him, man, that, look, that's tough for anybody to get into. Uh, but I, I, I hope really, he's doing man, well. He's part of the 2003 Kansas City Chiefs. Like he's loved Absolutely. by a lot, a lot of people. You know, come on. Yeah, but but you know, some 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 fans take sports 
to uh, the extreme of of really not understanding what they're saying or what they're doing in a person's life. Like, you know, like I had that conversation with these guys months ago about like how certain things can affect a guy mentally for the rest of their life. Like, you know, if you get on Twitter and look up, you know, Marty's name, it's going to be a whole lot of bad talk, you know, and this guy, you know, he's a dad nowadays trying to raise a family. And, uh, you know, he's trying to explain to his kids how maybe how he was a successful football player, you know, yeah. whether he, whether he had the success or not, he still played in the NFL for a number of years. And a lot of people can't say that. Definitely. Ooh, right. Right. Damn. That's, that's, that's a hundred percent. I have a question actually uh, on the, on the correct, on the coach Robinson thing. I, I remember as a kid, I, I remember seeing the, the press conference, the famous Dick Vermeil press conference where he refired coach Robinson. And he was, he was, he was, he was crying. I mean, if anyone knows Coach Ramil, they know he's a very sensitive guy, a very emotional guy. Um, was were, were him and Coach Robinson that close, or was he just an emotional guy? And that's how it, that's how he came across when when firing a, another player, another coach. Yeah, he, he's going to be emotional just because of that. But also, too, I mean, Coach, he, he invests in guys. If, if he brings you in, you know, then he's invested in you, right? I mean, I, I can't see Coach Ramil just kind of writing anybody off. Right. You know, it's not who he is. Yeah, I agree. You know, Greg was the deep, was the Denver guy. He said, I don't think he and him and Coach Jamil had any ties. Okay. Um, but I knew that he 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 knew that Greg had won two Super Bowls. Um, so he had something on his resume that, you know, they 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 shared Super Bowl rings. So I think he was hoping that, you know, bringing in a defensive coordinator after Gunther could could uh, you know, change up things and, you know, especially having Ray Crockett in there too. We had Ray Crockett and Glenn Kadres from the uh, from the Broncos. Dang. Having a couple of, of Denver Denver guys, uh, you know, I think he thought that having Greg with with, with mesh and kind of turn things around. Let, let me ask you a C. All right, and, and this is just me observing, right on the other side of it. But, but it seemed like, like you say, consistency wasn't really quite there. You know, it wasn't really fortified structurally as far as what they wanted to do defensively, but also, too, personnel-wise. Do you think, I mean, you know, in Denver's a different personnel. Then you try to bring that scheme into Kansas City with the personnel that you got. You know, trying to make guys fit is, is always a problem and an issue. You can't really do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for real. So, but, I mean, what do you think? I mean. It, it just didn't work for Greg, man. Like, that's all it is. <laughs> for me to sit there. And dissect that, then I gotta, you know, I gotta get personal and, and call out names, and that's that's you know that's not fair to those players, and it's not fair to grade. Right. Well, I wasn't gonna say name. I was just saying that he wouldn't, you know, didn't fit the personnel. I'm just gonna say that, right? So, okay, no, that's good. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. Good questions, though. No, good questions. Great yeah, questions. Right. I did. I, I, I wrote some. I wrote it down. All right, I have one more. One more. One more. Um, um. So again, going back to those teams when I, because I was in college, man. Like I'd go to the bar every Sunday, two thousand one to two thousand five, and watch every single game that the Chiefs played. Um. But JD, like, uh, you know, being part of the the crew that was blocking for Priest Holmes. Yeah. I think that's that's unbelievable. I mean, I looked it up. I mean, you were there when he set the record: twenty seven TDs. Mm -hmm. Yep. 76 total touchdowns in Kansas City over like what was it five and a half seven years he kind of had that year that he missed and then he came yeah. back yeah. I mean you were like you're you were literally part of history like so I'm curious like 
like, did he do anything for you guys? Like buy you all Rolexes. Like they, like you always read about, but also <laughs> the thing is like, you are in almost all of his photos when he got touched on. Cause you're picking him up like that. Like he yeah. would do this thing and then you'd pick him up. Yeah. And so like, right, I don't right. know, like, did you guys talk about that? Like, cause you are in so many pictures. If you do priest Holmes touchdown, number 89 is right there. So well, you got to understand though, no, Noah. Tony Gonzalez is the, the, the receiving tight end. JD is the, the mauling blocking tight end. So for Priest to have a lot of his success, he's going to run behind JD. Oh, and he had a lot of it, but he's picking him up every time. He's just picking his grown man, grown man up. And like, so I don't know, just anything about blocking for Priest, what he was like, that whole offensive line, because it was just, I mean, everyone knew number 89, like right on the jumbo yeah. end there. Like, so go ahead. Man, look, I, 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 I love every moment of it. I did. I, I'm, I'm thankful I was just a part of something special, uh, especially with Priest. Man, you just call him the, the Galloping Ghost because that Joker man was a workhorse. I mean, he, he run like just, I mean, high knees, just, you know, I mean, he's out there just galloping when he, he take off running. Uh, and so, you know, just the the offensive line, I mean, it was fun up at blocking. And we, we had, we was all on the same page. And uh, hats off to the guys that, you know, that I was just playing with, right? I mean, you talk about, shoot, Rove, Tate, uh, Wigman, uh, Waters, you know, uh, Wheels, uh, Fields. I mean, yeah, Tony, I mean, all these guys, T. Rich. I mean, you know, these guys, man, we were we were just talking about confidence earlier. And we had a swag and a confidence about us as far as running the football. And regardless of what it was, teams know where we was going. And we didn't care anyway. We still going to run. We was like, look, we're running it right here, running right here. And we're just going to put a hat on a hat and, and just win. And just win. But having Priest back there, man, that, that joker. And he used to do a lot jumping over the line. You don't see guys jump over the line anymore. Priest would, like, you know what I'm saying, launch out from like 10 yards. Take you know? flight. Take flight quick, man. Third, man, little muscle. And, and so Priest, man, he he was, uh, you know, he, he really, uh, you know, kind of, you know, gave us a lot of love. And, and I got a jersey. Priest, you know, did you know, a few things for us, of course, you know, like like guys usually do. Uh, but I, I got his jersey down. He, he put it up in, uh, you know, already signed and in, 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 in uh, the little frame and everything like that, man. So, you know, Priest was a guy was gracious, man. He, you know, great guy, great guy. Uh, but, yeah, man, it was fun, man. In 2003, man, like I said, man, we had no one offense, I think, for like two or three years, you know, in the NFL. And that was the thing about it. We just – you know, teams just couldn't they, – they couldn't stop us. And we, we just had fun running the football because we just knew we had an advantage, you know, over the defense, especially, you know, in that, in that regard. Yeah. So, Noah, you get to go to many games? I've been to a couple games. Uh, I grew up here, so I've been to, like, a couple Jets games. I went to one. It was, like – I think it was that 2007 season. It was, like, the last game of the season. We lost, like, 38-3. to It was raining. It was, like, oh, my God. But I went to uh, – Two games in KC, one a preseason game, and then the other one was Halloween 2010, I want to say. We played Buffalo, and Suckup won the game on the last second uh. in overtime. The uh. game was amazing. Eric Berry had an interception of Ryan Fitzpatrick at the end of that game, and I just we had amazing seats. Like ama- First row, my dad's first form from my brother and I, and we flew out there from New York. And I remember the first play of the game, Thomas Jones ran around, and he got tackled, and like he hit the ground so hard, and I'd never seen a, an NFL game like that close, and I was like, Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. yeah yeah so i've seen i've seen the chiefs uh like in 1997 or whatever we went to see him in philly with 
Joe Horn and uh, Rich Gannon. I'm not exactly sure what year that was. I was playing. I was playing then. Y'all yeah. came up and see me. I was on the other side of it then. Yeah, that's that's Stadium. Oh, yeah. Chiefs yeah. won. Chiefs won, right? Chiefs won that game. Chiefs won. They beat us. Yes, they did. They beat us. Yeah, like at the end, man. Yeah. I've been to, I think I've been to some other ones, but I think, yeah, yeah, but mostly jet, Jets and Buffalo. Oh, God. Buffalo. Those those are the nastiest fans in the NFL. Like, the new Raiders fans, they're not going to be so bad. Now they're going to be like, you know, rich Vegas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Right. Those <laughs> Buffalo fans, like, you have to park in, like, in, like, neighborhoods there. It's And so we're walking back to your car like, that's just they're nasty but that was another that was a tough game we lost 16 to 3 jp lostman's like i think his only career victory ever <laughs> but uh but you know it's a couple of those games they won that that buffalo game was amazing but uh it's a great time to be a chiefs fan right now and, and yes it is i love you guys being out here and, and doing it because chiefs fans have suffered a lot chiefs kingdom i think chiefs kingdom is the best fan base that's completely objective like everyone's nice everyone's cool and, and some of those fans out there on Twitter putting out those video analysis and breaking down film and what's going on. I mean, I don't listen to any of their podcasts. I swear to God, this is the only one. But, like, I still watch some of those videos. And, like, the, the Chiefs fan base is, like, I don't know. It's something special. So, it's, we, we need to get uh, a couple more, though. We need to get a couple more. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, no, it's good people, man. Chiefs Kingdom is a good, you know, definitely good people, great fans. You know, we're not, I'm, I'm like you. When I go and look at other people out here, on other teams, they're crazy. You jokers out here, man, they just saying every little thing. You know, just terrible over every little thing, man. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's a great time to be a fan of the Chiefs. Uh, we, we have developed a, 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 a ton of bandwagoners because of, of, of Mahomes, but you know what? I, I'll take them for what it's worth. It, it's just, it, it is definitely a fun team to watch. Yeah, and a lot of those people uh, became fans when you guys were playing. I really believe that. So anyway, that's that's all the, the questions I have. So thanks for letting me. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, awesome. yeah, man. Yeah. Enjoy your time here, man. You know, like I said, man, to get out there to Valley. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna make sure me to you or something like that. If I get out that way, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna holler at you. Make sure. Hit me up. I'll, I'll I'll tell you where to go, and then I will not not bother you. You don't have to worry. No, you're going that. with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta show me around now. Yeah, you gotta learn how to ride a motorbike, but we need a big one for you. Like, yeah. all right, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. Like, like uh, I only listen to this um, podcast because there's so many Chiefs ones, and there's so many like people out there. And I don't follow any of them except you guys. So I appreciate, I appreciate it. That, man. Appreciate it, man. That's appreciate you being a loyal fan, brother. Thanks appreciate love, you being a loyal fan, man. Yeah, yeah. Take care of yourself. Cool, Thanks, Noah. That, that was awesome. You know, it, it's cool because, oh. like, like I said, I saw the Indonesia demographic. I'm like, what, what is this? I mean, there's, we have fans. I mean, I know we have fans all over the world, but Indonesia. Then he felt, follows us on Twitter, and then he's commenting our stuff on YouTube, and, you know, there he is. Noah John Marshall. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. You man, we had to make a trip out there Bali, man. Sue. That sounds like so a, a, a nice little trip. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a nice little trip. I tell you, my man, he goes out there every year, man. He loves it. He loves it. So, and I believe, like in Bali or near there, they have like the, the Komodo Dragon Island, where it's like you have to go with like a tour guide because the Komodos, the, the, the 
they'll, they'll go nuts and like they're like no, obviously they're poisonous but you have to yeah. have a tour guide with you and actually my my friend was telling me this that if you go with a girl uh they cannot be on a uh, period uh, during that because the komodo oh. dragons will smell will smell blood and that's forget about it so like you have to make sure if you're going to go with a woman you have to make sure they're not on their, their period which is but i i heard that i was like holy crap that's that's scary man <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> But cool, guys. So that does it for us. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Chief Concerns presented by Bet Online. As always, if anyone in Chief's Kingdom has any concerns for these two, please tweet at us at, at ConcernsChief or uh, email us at ChiefConcerns at Yahoo.com. Gentlemen, always a great show with you guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my brother. Y'all be good. Have a good folks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.